Welcome to the Made to Lead podcast, the podcast demystifying leadership one episode at a time. This episode is brought to you by the Illinois Leadership Center, because the world needs better leaders. I'm your host, Emily Albert Stoning. This episode of Made to Lead includes discussion of suicide, depression, mental health, and other topics that may be triggering for some viewers. If you or someone you know is experiencing a suicidal crisis or emotional distress, call 800-273-8255 to reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24-7 and is toll-free to anyone who calls. For more information and resources, check out the description of this episode of Made to Lead. You matter. You are important, and this world needs you. And yes, that sounds cliche, but it's the truth. In the book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, Harold S. Kushner wrote, Pain is the price we pay for being alive. Dead cells, our hair, our fingernails can't feel pain. They cannot feel anything. When we understand that, our question will change from, why do we have to feel pain, to what do we do with our pain and suffering that becomes meaningful and not just pointless, empty suffering? Today's episode of Made to Lead explores that exact question with two University of Illinois alumni. In 1994, Colleen Mullaney co-founded the J. Kyle Braid Leadership Foundation as a way to honor the memory of her son, Kyle, who committed suicide as a high school sophomore. After 20 years of nurturing student leaders, Colleen founded the JKB Experiential Education Foundation to continue Kyle's memory and legacy. The other guest joining us today is Mike Bushman, who is a writer, speaker, and trainer focused on mental health and suicide prevention. Mike is the author of the book, Pain to Purpose. Pain to Purpose, published in April 2021, tells the story of how the J. Kyle Braid Foundation came to be. Pain to Purpose is a unique book because it tells the story from the perspective of Kyle, his classmates, and other students that went through the J. Kyle Braid Foundation programming. Without further ado, here is Mike Bushman and Colleen Mullaney to tell you firsthand about what it was like to write Pain to Purpose and what it is like to search for meaning in an unfathomable loss. Thank you both so much for joining me today on the Made to Lead podcast. I've really been looking forward to this ever since Marcus told me that uh, you both are coming and told me about your book. And I had the opportunity to read it. And what really struck me about it was the way that it was written from your son Kyle's perspective Mm -hmm. from the beginning. You spoke to this other person's perspective in a way that was so powerful and personable. To start off, will you tell us a little bit about story and what led you both to write Paint of Purpose and uh, to found the, uh, remind me of the name of your foundation, the, I know it, I know it, it's JKB Experiential mm-hmm. Education Foundation, mm-hmm. it's a mouthful, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so whoever wants to start first, just, well maybe I'll just start with why, why the book and 
and Colleen. I mean, we, we actually met at a leadership center program. Colleen was speaking about her son, Kyle, and the JKB program. And because I've struggled with depression at various points in my life, and worst of it was during my high school years, I've been very active working on mental health and suicide prevention work. So her story obviously was compelling to me. But a big part of why it was compelling was Colleen with JKB was doing things 25 years ago that many or many of the leading behavioral health organizations are just now getting around to doing and recognizing with young leaders. And I felt like this is a story that has to be told because it's doing so much of what's missing for today's young adults. Yeah, it was, um, gosh, I don't know how many years ago it was that I, I did the keynote speech at the imprint workshop and it was the last time they had a keynote speaker so <laughs> I don't know how that I don't know yeah but Mike you know had said you know do you mind if I write something for the Huffington Post a blog and I said that'd be awesome so after I saw what he had written I loved his style of writing and through these, uh, it'll be 28 years now, Monday. Um, and so I'm always thankful to be here, um, you know, close to or on the day um, that Kyle had started his bigger mission. Um, but um, I, you know, I, so many people through the years have said, you should write a book. And of course, I can't personally write a book. But then when I saw what Mike did, and I loved his style of writing, um, the next uh, May, I was having a fundraiser and he attended and I asked him at the fundraiser, I said, how do you feel about writing a book about all this? And he said, well, let me think about it. And he called me the next day and said, let's do it. So it's been four years of a labor of love for yeah. both of us um, to, to get this out. And I, I love it. I'm so proud of it and love everything that Mike has done with it. And um, you talked about being in Kyle's voice in the beginning, and that actually came from a JKB alumni. Yeah. Really? Yeah, the idea. Um, she graduated from U of I, and um, she came through the ranch at 16 in 2009. And so I was in Chicago, and I had taken a bunch of them out to dinner, and we were all talking. It was right after the fundraiser, and Mike had, you know, agreed to do the book. So I was telling the kids about the book, and she said, "Well, what voice is it going to be?" And I said, "Well." You know, I haven't thought about it yet. And she said, it'd be awesome if it could be in his voice. So I went to Mike and I said, what do you think about this? And he said, that's a great idea. So yeah. we did it in his voice as much as we could. Um, and that's how that, and I think that's a powerful part of the story. It, it's so important for people to understand that uh, the people that we lose to suicide are often just the most extraordinary people. They're complex, they're not perfect, but none of us are perfect. So we wanted to show that all the great stuff in Kyle's life and a lot of the uh, great attributes, which are a lot of what was built into the JKB program, but also recognize that he wasn't perfect. So that humanity had to come across. Uh, and for people to understand the love and dedication it took to creating the JKB program and the sacrifices over decades to do that, you have to understand the depth of the love and the, the joy of the person that Kyle yeah. was. 
Absolutely. And within that book, that's why it just it hit me in the heart. It from from the first page, I was like, okay, this is something meaningful. This is something important, um, and that's part of the reason I'm I feel so lucky to be sitting down with you guys today. Oh, thank you. So, can you tell me a little bit about the moment that you decided to create the JKB program? It actually happened three weeks after he passed away. Um, a sorority sister of mine from here lives in Colorado, and we were a family that loved loved the West. We went on dude ranches. We went on a cattle drive and Kyle turned from a beach kid from Florida into a cowboy wrangler, you know, and he loved Colorado. So, um, she and her husband couldn't come to Florida for his service. And she said, when this is a pretty magnanimous offer, when everybody goes back to their life and things get really hard, come out and stay with us. So three weeks afterwards, we decided we'd go out there and they took us into the mountains and we were like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. And it started from there. And of course, most of the time we think of at-risk, underprivileged kids and to work with them. And we had gone back to Colorado Springs to the library to look up how to start a foundation and you know how to create something like this. And I started looking at programs and there were a lot of programs for those kids, which we need. But Kyle wasn't that person. You know, he was, he was the type that other kids gravitated toward him for help. You know, he had always been giving advice and helping other kids. And I really wanted to create his essence for the program. And so I couldn't find a program that dealt with the kids who were influential. Mm -hmm. Influencers before that became a term. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Um, so we decided that that's who we would target, where the kids that were the most influential in their schools had the leadership and, and target them. And what's so important about that is we now know from research that when teens are struggling, about 75% of them, if they say anything at all or if there's any signs, it will be to other teens. Mm -hmm. But how many other teens know the signs of suicide, know how to interact with somebody who might be struggling, know how to get adult help? You know, only 10% of kids will would ever say anything to a parent, maybe another 15% to some other trusted adult, a teacher, a coach, youth minister, whatever. So the market of reaching these team leaders and being noticers and being people who know how to interact and then feel good enough about themselves that they feel confident they can be helpful uh, was something that's just crucial. I, I, you know, I think the program just kind of percolates yeah. the base and the foundation that they've had mm -hmm. through their family and school and everything. It just percolates it all to the top and gives and empowers them to be able to ha have their voice heard, to break that code of silence that kids mm -hmm. have, to know their limits in helping and then go to an expert or an adult to get help. I think what, what I love about what you're both describing is it sounds like your foundation has given young adults this opportunity, perhaps young adults who gravitate already towards leadership, the opportunity to embrace not only their strengths, but the vulnerability that comes with strength and being able to say, this is a big, huge thing. I can use my resources and utilize the things that I know and involve, and involve the experts. 
and I, I think that's really beautiful and I think vulnerability and bravery go hand in hand. Can you talk about what Pain to Purpose means to you and how you came to the title of the book? I always looked at it kind of from my own struggles with depression. If you don't do something with it, then it's just the pain. Mm-hmm. If you can use what you've experienced to help somebody or to make a difference in others' life, it it has a redeeming value. You've got a purpose. You say, okay, I don't like what I experienced. I don't like what I went through. It was awful. But now I can see that somebody else is getting something good out of this. And for me, um, when we had a um, celebration of life for Kyle, um, the priest that was doing it for us um, was, you know, Kyle went through school there and was close to him. He was very, I was very close to him, the priest as well. And he read a verse called The Folded Page. And it was about an, a young man who was in his attic going through old books. And he found this page in his book and, from school. And it, it had the corner folded over. And in it, it said, um, obviously, whatever the problem was, I don't know if it was math, I can't remember exactly, but it said in there, this is too hard to understand right now, fold the page and come back to it, and you'll figure it out. And so that's like the gist of the whole thing is that, you know, this pain is too hard to figure out. So fold that page, and then it will become apparent to you. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, thankfully, it didn't take too long for that to become apparent of what we were supposed to do with that. Um, you don't do those things alone. You know, my faith means a lot to me and has supported me through a lot. Um, and so that, you know, that led me to the purpose of what we were supposed We knew what we were supposed to do uh, because that's who Kyle was. He was an incredible kid. He had such a quick wit and sense of humor and um, you know I heard him talking to a friend and and this friend loved to read and Kyle didn't um, and she said he he asked her what book she was reading at the time and she said oh, I'm reading 20,000 leagues under the sea and he goes well I might read that because I love baseball <laughs> you know <laughs> and he knew better you know it was just the way you know just the way he was but he was he was also a compassionate kid at 13, I think he was. He decided that he had plenty of things that he got all through the year. And so that year at Christmas time, he came to us and said, you know, I really think that we shouldn't spend money on Christmas gifts. I have everything I need. I get everything I want. And I think we should take that money and help people that need the help. And so since then, and he'd be 44 right now, so since he was 13 I've never bought a Christmas present since um, and he would work at the soup kitchen and you know, I, I think you know I, I'd like to think that somewhere you know because I, I really believe this was his bigger mission that you know he might not consciously have known that he only had a couple more years to live but you know how many 13 year olds come up with something like that yeah. you know and I don't want to put him on a pedestal because certainly he made a bad decision. <laughs> the good kids make bad decisions too. So, um, but that that kind of you know between his humor and and his compassion um, for 
for really thinking of other people uh, and doing, you know, not just thinking about it, but actually doing something. He was a person of action. What was it like to write from someone else's perspective and how did it feel how did it feel when you were sitting down to do that? Well, I think that, you know, I was grateful to have so many of his high school friends and coaches and family members, people who've known him for a long time, and obviously Colin and her ex talked to me about Kyle, so I had a lot of information about him, a lot of great stories. There were a lot of, I mean, there were times people were telling him laughing, times that there were obviously tears, uh, but writing from it, I, for me, it was just, I put myself back into uh, what was it like to be in high school. Now, I, my high school experience was very different from Kyle's, because I think Kyle was like a, a too many people who we lose to suicide. 40% of young adults who attempt suicide spend less than 10 minutes contemplating it before making it. In that moment, uh, they're stuck in fight, flight, or freeze mode and just not able to think clearly. So you mentioned a bad decision. I, people who are in that struggle are just not making actually a decision. Mm -hmm. They're unable to access, you know, parts of their brain where that you can problem solve. So building the all the techniques that uh, JKB did to help, you know, build that robust brain and the resilience and the problem solving skills is really important. But as I thought about writing from Kyle's perspective, it was just I wanted people to know this was a truly gifted young man who was just a tragic loss. And so often, with unfortunately, because I do a lot of suicide prevention work, I know a lot of young adults who have lost. The vast majority of them are extraordinary people who just had moments of pain, maybe even a longer term pain, but didn't they didn't see in that moment all the great sides of themselves. They they focused on an element of what they didn't, you know, weakness or struggle or challenge. And, you know, I had some of that experience from my own struggles with suicide ideation. So I just tried to put myself into what could it be like to be Kyle and have all this really great friendships and fun and compassion and volunteering and all the pieces that made up this complex person. Make sure people knew who he was because I think the rest of the book is more meaningful when you know why. Mm -hmm. I also would like it to be um, a signature of hope for survivors mm -hmm. that there is life after that horrific incident, you know, because as a parent to lose a child is, is you know, it's an ugly fraternity to belong to. And there's a lot of people out there that belong to that fraternity. Um, so I'd like to think that it would show people who have just recently gone through it or, you know, are struggling to figure out, you know, what they can do to move on into present and future. Um, you know, the saying that is in the book that, you know, resonated through the program that, that Kyle's father and I always said was, you know, don't ask, and I, certainly I'm not the author of this, <laughs> you know, but um, don't ask, you know, don't ask why do bad things happen to good people? Ask what good people do when bad things happen.
I had a great time hearing Mike and Colleen's stories of how they have turned their pain into purpose through their work. A lot of content in today's episode focused on mental health challenges and the way they impact young leaders today. If you're a student at University of Illinois in need of support for your mental health, consider reaching out to the University of Illinois Counseling Center. Links to the Counseling Center are provided in the description of this Made to Lead episode. If you're not a University of Illinois student, or if you are and you're hoping to seek assistance outside the university, Psychology Today is an excellent resource to search for therapists, psychiatrists, and other mental health professionals in your areas. There is even a feature where you can insert your insurance or price range. If you or someone you know is in need of immediate mental health assistance, please reach out to one of the phone numbers included in this episode description. The numbers provided are 24-7 resources that you can call toll-free for times of crisis and emotional distress. Oftentimes we believe that leaders are superhuman, and sometimes we expect ourselves to be superhuman. However, the reason we love Superman or Wonder Woman isn't because they're infallible, but rather because they're people who are vulnerable, overcoming challenges. And honestly, we do the same thing every day. Maybe not with the battleships or the big explosions on a cinematic screen, but humans fight the everyday battles of life every single day. There isn't a universal answer to turn your pain into purpose. And the way every person does this will be a little bit different, but I hope today's conversation with Mike and Colleen gave you some ideas. Thanks for watching the Made to Lead podcast, the podcast mystifying leadership one episode at a time. I'm your host, Emily Albert Stoning.